Alas, the tiny village of Santa Catarina had no real amenities, save a quiet rural atmosphere and ready access to a paved road that led back across the country to the Sao Tome city. Here, she could conduct her research in private and wait until her friend Marie arrived. Everything was falling into place again. Until they found her. She thought she dodged them, but here they were, like bloodhounds that had picked up her trail, no matter how well she was hidden. Carol remembered seeing the uniformed, gun-toting men for the first time in the rural township of Trindade. She had ventured there after following rumors from village to village over the course of six months. It was revealed to her that an old map still existed, created by a generation long forgotten, and held by a family that might not even realize what they possessed. Carol felt confident that this map held the secret to finding the elusive blue star. Purchasing the map was easier and cheaper than she'd expected. The entire island had been stricken by economic and political turmoil only a few years ago, and the man that owned the map was no different than the others living in the more pastoral parts of the country. With a huge smile, he graciously accepted her crinkled $20 bill and handed over the map. The payment would be more than enough to feed his family for a month. News spreads fast, even in a place like Sao Tome, which lacks an abundance of telephones. Before Carol had even left Trindade a day later, the men dressed in olive drab military uniforms had stopped her in the middle of the road, rifles drawn, and ordered her to lie down. Desert, Sonora. A man holding an AK-47 yelled in Portuguese, commanding her to hit the dirt. She obeyed instantly, knowing full well the consequences of disobeying a group of men with guns in a foreign land. When she finally dared to look up, she saw the shiny white leather on a pair of expensive Italian shoes. Get up, please. A pleasant voice said to her in surprisingly fluent English. The man speaking had on an immaculate white suit to go along with his shoes and a matching Panama hat that had a crimson band of ribbon around the top. His suit pocket was stuffed with a silk handkerchief of the same dark red color, and he wore tinted aviator-style sunglasses that reflected back at her in a dull sort of way. Although he spoke English, the man couldn't disguise his Portuguese accent or his dark brown skin and thick crop of bushy black hair. He stuck out in the extreme with his outfit, though, and she felt that it was intentional. He wanted everyone to see him and know he was in charge of things. Carol immediately decided that she did not like him one bit. Please excuse my associates. They sometimes have the tendency to overreact. He began and extended one hand politely. My name is Marco Gustes. I manage certain functions here in Sao Tome. Charmed, Carol answered sarcastically and declined to shake his hand. You are American, yes? Carol only nodded, clutching her leather satchel and the precious map it held closer to her chest. Marco put his hand away. Some of my friends were telling me that you're looking for something very, very valuable. Do you know anything about that?
I don't know what you're talking about, Carol insisted, growing more uncomfortable by the second. You must be tired, and it is a long journey to the next town. Here, in my country, we are all about hospitality. Please, allow us to escort you. Marco smiled in a way that struck fear into Carol's heart. The man looked positively insidious, and his mannerisms and the men aboard the jeeps waiting behind him spoke volumes about what he really wanted. He walked over to the small black car parked at the front of the convoy and held the door open for her. The sound of a rifle being cocked instantly made his offer less of an invitation and more of a demand.